Hey everyone, welcome back to Random Acts of Television. I'm John Bucci. And I'm Andrea Cooley. And if this is your first time listening, this is a show where we get a random TV show from the generator online, and we watch it and talk about it. And this time, we're talking about Futurama. Yay! Futurama! I was very grateful for this one. I was as well. Yes. I was afraid it was going to give us some really weird show or, like, um, just something I've never heard of. Like, I don't watch Japanese eating shows, for example, so I was hoping it wouldn't be one of those. See, I think that would be fun. Yeah. I feel like we'd end up discussing the way these girls stuff their mouths with food. Well, I mean, there's some rich plot line there that we're just not... We as Western audiences don't understand. <laughs> is there? Yeah, I mean, why are they eating the food? What happens at the end? This is a groundbreaking procedural that we have to tap into. What if she's like eating this dish that's like her dead grandmother's favorite recipe and she thinks that by eating it, it'll conjure up some ghost of grandma and then it'll haunt them and then it turns into the grudge? I mean, that could be one option. I was thinking, like, taking over the world, but I don't know how that fits in the context of eating food. No, I, I have no idea how that would. So what is uh, what have you been watching? Futurama. <laughs> just straight up, just all Futurama. Just, well, when you do a podcast about TV, it's hard to be like, oh, I'm going to go have some fun and watch this. It's like, no, I have a schedule and I have to watch this. Well, I mean, seriously, dude, I I watch, like, other things. In fact, I'm actually watching Bob's Burgers on top of Futurama. I'm not. You should. You totally should. Everybody should watch Bob's Burgers. It's the best. Too bad we're not talking about that. Let's do a 30 minutes of Bob's Burgers and then get back to our originally scheduled 30 minutes of Futurama. That would be fine with me. Well, I wouldn't have anything to talk about. No, that's exactly. And you know what? Maybe that's a good thing. I'm sure some of our audience would appreciate that. They might, they might. So, you watched what season of Futurama? I watched the first season, because I had always seen a bunch of random episodes, and I was like, yeah, I like this show, but I had never sat down and gone through all of Futurama, so I just started with the first season. What about you? Well, I was a little bit lazy about it, I'll admit, Um, when I went on to Netflix and Hulu and all of the other streaming subscriptions I have, I realized that Netflix only had from season seven on up. And so I said, well, there you go. I'm watching season seven. I had previously seen Futurama, but not in sequential order. And I didn't think that it was something that I would have to watch in sequential order. So I was fine with skipping over a lot of episodes. So... I did that and then later found out that Netflix labels the seasons of Futurama wrong. That was actually season six, part one. When I was looking for the, I wrote down my favorite episodes and when I was trying to make sure it was, I forget what I was looking at. Anyway, and I looked and saw that none of those in season seven matched the titles I had written down. And then I realized it was season six, part one. So that's how I figured it out. For me, when I was trying to look up the episodes that were your favorite that you told me to watch, I also ran into the problems of, like, is it season seven? Is it season six? See? So, yeah, it's confusing. I, anyway, what were your favorite episodes? My favorite were 
Da Vinci Code and That Darn Cats. Um, da Vinci Code is basically Fry is very stupid. And I mean, I guess we should, should we kind of give a brief explanation? Do you want to give a brief explanation of the show in general? Futurama is a show where a very dumb man from 1999 got locked in a cryogenic tube for a thousand years. And now it's 29.99, at least at the beginning of my season it is, but then it it's the pilot episode is on New Year's Day, so then they cross over into the year 3000. And it's about him, his debaucherous robot friend. That would be Bender. Yes, that would be Bender. And the captain of their ship, Leela, who I don't know if she's an alien or a mutant or what she is, but she's a cyclops. And the three of them are essentially galactic delivery boys. And they are working for Fry's A Lot of Greats nephew. And there's a whole different cast of characters like Zoidberg and... Amy. Yeah, and Amy and... Oh, you, did you say Professor Farnsworth? Yeah, I. he's his, his great, 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 oh. great nephew. Is that what he is? Oh my gosh. See, I yeah, totally. He's his nephew. Well, that's what you get for watching season one, I guess. Well, you know, it's funny that I, I, I forget that the show happened in 1999. I never watched it when it originally aired because it was just another Matt Groening, well, this time with David X. Cohen co writing and creating. But um, I did not watch Simpsons, I wasn't allowed to. Because my parents didn't think it was a nice show for a young girl to be watching. So I never watched The Simpsons. So I was like, eh, okay, I won't watch this either. But then later, much later, I realized, oh, this shit's funny. So I picked it up. I think we're going to find that that's what a lot of people did. Yes, yeah. Um, But anyway, back to my shows that I liked. The Da Vinci Code is Fry, who, as John mentioned, is very dumb, goes with... Dr. Farnsworth, or is it Professor Farnsworth? Whatever. I don't know. He's a very educated old man. They travel, they were seeking out, it's a play on the Da Vinci Code book and film where they travel to Venice and they, it's Venice, right? Yeah. I think so. Is it Venice Look, Beach? I, I'm, <laughs> no, it's not Venice Beach. They go to Italy, they find this really funny saucy robot that Da Vinci created and there's all these little different secrets that essentially add up to Da Vinci created this time travel, not time traveling, a spaceship. And they travel to a planet where actually that's where Da Vinci is. He didn't die. And all these smart people are living all on this planet. But the, here's the hysterical part. Da Vinci is actually the dumb one in this super smart planet. And it's hilarious. I was laughing almost every other joke. That doesn't always happen for me. But almost every other joke I was just cracking up at and then that darn cats is amy gives her dissertation or defends her thesis and she does so with a guy the the lead doctor with his cat he's holding his cat the whole time he says no i don't like this idea you, you don't get your doctorate and later they find out that the cat was actually the one speaking and it's there's this whole race or alien race of cats that mind control people with their cuteness and that was hilarious but then that nibbler whom i love 
gets very upset and jealous about the cats getting more attention from Leela and the rest of the crew. And that sets him up to find out what's really going on here with these cats. And it's just hilarious. It was just really hilarious. Some of the better writing, for me at least, because Nibbler in his sailor suit, that was, oh my gosh. Anyway, check out these episodes, by the way. It's very interesting going from my season where Nibbler was just discovered to season seven or six part one or whatever it was where six part one he's got a deep voice and a sailor suit yes he does not want to be treated like a fluffy cutesy thing he does not like it and then actually he's like he wants it it's so adorable please go check it out and so what were yours my favorite episodes were four love labors lost in space and seven my three sons four as i was saying before is the intro to nibbler and another great character, Zach Brannigan. I love him. He has no pants. Love Labor's Lost in Space is about the Leela, Bender, and Fry are going to a planet that's about to blow up to save the animals on it. But Zach Brannigan doesn't want to do that because the whatever the organization in Star Trek is called, the parody of that has mined this planet and it's about to blow up and they don't want anyone going to it to die, but of course Leela wants to save all the animals. So Leela ends up sleeping with Zapranigan unexpectedly, and Zapranigan is an utter sleazeball. Which I love. And Fry and Bender get into some funny shenanigans, and then they discover Nibbler. And so yeah, there's just a lot of funny moments in there that I liked. But I think episode 7, My Three Sons, was much more funny, because this really leads into Fry's stupidity in a major way, because... Fry, Bender, and Leela are doing a delivery, and it's to a planet full of people made out of water, but Fry doesn't realize that, and this planet is a desert, and he travels through the desert all by himself, and there's a bottle sitting in this throne room, and he drinks it, and it was the emperor. So Fry is now the new emperor, and he opens this package that he was supposed to deliver, and it's a warning sign that says, please don't drink the emperor. So the entire episode is apparently that there's been a long line of regicides in this whole society so every king has been assassinated (laughs) and so it's just all of these water-based beings trying to kill fry the entire time i don't want to give away the ending of the episode because it's just it's off the rails ridiculous no you're totally right the show has the right level of zaniness to me and it shows the sheer talent of Graining and Cohen as writers and creators. Because it shows like this and Bob's Burgers that know where to draw that line of ridiculous that can seem very fuzzy and elusive. To me, at least, they make sure it doesn't go past that threshold that turns most people off. And so, I don't know, I have to admit that there are so many shows now that I see merchandise for or trailers or commercials for that seem to constantly go past that line. And they're popular, which is there's an audience clearly for them, but it doesn't identify with me. It doesn't make me laugh. I kind of feel dumb watching it. So it just turns me off. I don't know. I think one of the shows that does that for me now is SpongeBob. I know when it first started, it was very funny, but it just got progressively worse. And now I don't even know if they still make them. I think they might still be on the air. Oh, dear. But I agree with what you're saying. I think in recent years, maybe like everything past 2010 that's 
been all of these cartoons have been overly zany and weird and let's see how weird we can get especially with these quote-unquote adult cartoons just like let's get weird let's do something strange and ridiculous and there's no like grounding it's just wacky yeah there's exceptions for me not every animated series is that again i'm feel like we're talking about Futurama, but I keep bringing up Bob's Burgers. <laughs> but I s- Welcome to <laughs> Random Acts of Bob's Burgers. Well, I mean, I loved I loved Futurama, but I'm, since I've been watching Bob's Burgers, I think what I like about that one, for example, to relate it to Futurama is, so this guy has a, a burger business that's not making a lot of money, but it's at least affording him a living and so he can provide for his family. And they all work in the shop together and so it has that family feel to it. And the the kids are the typical wise beyond their years and really like 20-year-olds trapped in 12-year-old bodies. But they are very engaging and they are very sweet. And I don't know. I, I just think the whole dynamic and the writing is, like you said, grounded. So it works with Futurama. Futurama has, even though a lot more, it's definitely more zany than Bob's Burgers. It's a little less grounded in reality. It at least does enough with the mathematics and all these sci-fi tropes that they borrow from to help really cement it. And borrowing from Star Trek, borrowing from Star Wars, they it's really funny how they try to keep it not going over that limit, like I said earlier. My only problem is when they take that whole idea of being grounded and being intelligent and they kind of push it on you so it's overbearing like when they have a message and they spend an entire episode hammering that message into your head like there was a few episodes in my season that definitely did that yeah me too i don't remember what episode was but it was the one that's called the giant ball of garbage and the entire episode is about how we should recycle and how we're doing a terrible job of throwing away our trash Mine, I had two. I had one basically about how Apple and social media are going to make zombies of us and try to take over the world. And they were trying to really hammer in that technology is bad, social media is bad. And I can get behind that actually. And there were a lot of funny moments in it, but they're trying to say too many things at one time. The one that was worse as far as message was, uh, I think it was Proposition Infinity, which is an anti-Proposition 8, was it? About the Gay Marriage Act. And so they were speaking out against robots and humans having relationships in this episode to mirror gay marriage and gay relationships. And so Amy and Bender actually start a relationship with each other, which causes division amongst the group. Dr. Farnsworth, Professor Farnsworth, whatever he is, basically is against it and makes Bender go to a religious robot cult place to go and get deprogrammed from that feeling of intimacy with humans. And at the end of it, when he's proposing to her to marry her, she says something and it makes him think that they're going to have to be monogamous with each other. All of a sudden, he doesn't want to do it anymore. And I couldn't help but go... Wait a minute, are you saying that, because I know it's very clear you are trying to talk about gay marriage, are you saying that gay people don't want to have monogamy in their marriages, and that's going to actually steer them away from marriage? I, I felt that there was, that was a main, I don't know if that was their intent, but I, that's what I walked away with, and I didn't think that was a, a good idea or a good message. Yeah, they did that in The Giant Ball of Garbage as well. 
because New York didn't recycle in the 21st century. And so they had all this garbage and they hurtled this giant ball of garbage into space. And now it's coming back and it's going to destroy new New York. So they're the entire episode, they're trying to find a way to stop this giant ball of garbage. But then their solution, which Fry so brilliantly comes up with, is, hey, let's throw another giant ball of garbage at it. Mm. So they take this this very hard stand against an issue. And then in the last five minutes, they're just like, nope. And they go a completely different route. Those two episodes do stand out to me in the entire season because they dedicated an entire episode to make this one point and then at the end become very flippant on it. And I don't like that. It's better when they just pop up like little whack-a-moles and then they just go away and you can continue on with the funny, sillier plot line that they have for you. Which they usually do. Which they usually do. But for some reason, they decided not to do that with these few episodes we're talking about. So for me, the best animated series that handles that kind of cultural satire without taking a stance is South Park. Not Bob's Burgers. South Park. South Burgers. Yes. Because in my opinion, it, South Park, it knows how to make fun of everybody very clearly and you never get a feel for where the creators stand on the issues and I don't know I can't quite put a finger on exactly why I know that they were against the Proposition 8 but you felt that clearly I think it's because in the very beginning they look they made the people who were against Bender and Amy being together look very hateful and not in a funny way if that makes any sense but in a these people are so cruel and dumb and behind the times stupid and they should get with modern love and be supportive of these two people coming together yeah south park just fires shots at everyone whereas futurama is almost trying to call you stupid if you don't believe what they believe yeah in some respect yeah so something I found interesting in doing my background research on the show is how the meme is almost entirely responsible for Futurama being popular with millennials. The internet has a knack for bringing things back from the dead. It does. So, like, apparently Futurama gifs and memes were being used in social media by people who had never seen the show before, so they started watching because of it. In fact, out at our blog... I'm going to be linking a site that has been branded as the most popular Futurama GIF or meme-making site, and you should totally check it out. This could explain why the show went from being canceled to not canceled so many times, and even why they just the other week released an audio episode. People with the internet, they find something they think is funny, and they want as much of it as they can get. And let's hope that they want much more of this podcast. I think they do. So, I mean, do we have to thank the internet then for, essentially, as we've concluded, both of us in our individual research for the show, that the internet has brought back Futurama? Yeah, in my research, which it, it wasn't easy to find solid demographic information on Futurama, but in my research, I did find that this show was mostly males in their 20s and 30s who had started watching the show when they were in their late and early teens. So it makes sense that 
they would take something from their childhood that they thought was funny and bring it onto the internet. And then, since it is a funny show, that it would spread like wildfire. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. This show is targeted towards males, and I think that's a shame. And they have a missed opportunity to pull in female viewers like Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers is the best cartoon ever. <laughs> Hands down. Well, Random acts of television <laughs> confirmed. Well, okay, because I looked at Bob's Burgers demographics, and they pull in actually more female viewers than male viewers. But it's it's pretty close, but it's just by a slim margin that they pull in more female viewers. And think, I mean, think again of that missed opportunity that shows movies. Again, I'm going to get on that. I'm going to get on that soapbox about how if people would just start marketing towards both men and women, you would see a big boost in your viewership and you wouldn't be dipping in and out of cancellation all the time, <clears throat> Futurama, because... Cough, cough. Cough, cough. Futurama, cough, cough. Because Bob's Burgers is going into its eighth season and it's never been canceled to my recollection. I, I will check that, and if I'm wrong, I will, I will make a blog post about it. And I'm also making a blog post about the cancellation stuff, so check that out in the future. I think a reason why you see the sticking power with... Bob's Burgers or like some one of these shows that's been on forever like Simpsons or Family Guy is because they have what we were talking about earlier which is a more grounded storyline and a more grounded everything really and they have a much broader appeal I think that also has to do with Fry being the main character some people can handle his stupidity but others really can't like I described it as he's conveniently stupid because he's so dumb that it helps them further the plot. Or, I mean, this also is shown in other characters, like Bender is so debaucherous that it proceeds the plot forward. <laughs> yeah, I love his debauchery. He's like my favorite character, to be honest with you. I think there's a bit of you in Bender. There is. There is a bit of uh, belching, gin-swigging robot in me. And there's certainly a bit of fry in me. Yes, there there is a bit of fry in you, and that's why I have you around all the time, because it makes me look so good. But anyway, I was going to say that for all the faults of Futurama, that it does have, and it's not even that many faults, to be honest with you. No. No. It's, even though they have dipped in and out of cancellation, it is still a good show. It's a great show that has gained popularity with a whole new generation based off of the humor that was pulled from screenshots to make memes and gifs. I mean, that's brilliant, to be honest. And I think it, it shows that the creators can take sci-fi based tropes that we all know and apply them to a family, or in this case, a disjointed grad tag team of delivery people and put them from situation to situation and explore topics and say things that are different and I even like the fact that between the writers on the staff that they have like 50 years of Harvard education between all of them it just goes to show you that there is something more to this humor than just farts and belches things like that it could be easily dismissed as that but there's a lot more intelligence in it 
And it's very sharp and quick in its delivery of lines, too. You have to be on your toes with it, which I love. They even know how to predict the future. Do they? Yes. In one of my episodes, actually the, the season finale, they predicted that The Good Wife was going to happen. Are you serious? Yes. There is a show within the show called Single Female Lawyer, which is essentially making fun of every courtroom procedural, and The Good Wife fits right in with it. It's hilarious. I would watch that show, I think. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I think with how you felt about The Good Wife, I don't think you'd want to watch it. No, probably not. Probably not. Well, so to cap off this Futurama discussion, John, what was your favorite joke or bit from any of the episodes you watched in season one? My favorite joke had to be the fact that Robot Hill was in New Jersey. Because I, a man having spent 10 years of my life in New Jersey, would totally agree with that statement. I, I would agree with that statement, too. Well, my joke, which is also not going to make any sense, but um, it's when Dr. Banjo, which is a Planet of the Apes-esque orangutan, and he, he's a, he, he does not believe in evolution, and he argues with Professor Farnsworth about evolution, but it's just, it's really just the fact that it's a talking orangutan who's got spectacles and dressed very like like an old school librarian um, or professor, and his name is Doctor Banjo. <laughs> I just love it. I just I don't know why. Anyway, I I laughed for like two minutes straight about that. Anyway, it's time for that fateful moment mm. that everyone's been waiting for. Okay, the next show is. Oh, you're going to like this. Next episode is The Americans. <gasps> oh, oh. Okay. I'm excited. I'm liking this random generator a little more than I did before. Yes, it's it's certainly getting better. It, it is. It is. Well, that's all for this episode. Check out our blog at randomactsoftelevision.wordpress.com. There you'll find all of our links to our social media, like Instagram and Twitter. And we have to say that the intro and outro music for this show is provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.